Hey everybody, thanks for checking into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and this is You Do What? This is a podcast that examines some non-traditional jobs. Now, they might be a niche position or ones that seem just a bit more fun and interesting than your average job. Regardless, we're trying to let you know you can do just about anything as a career. For this episode, we're looking into the entertainment world, specifically an industry where you hear the performers more often than you realize, but you rarely see them. I'm, of course, talking about voice actors, those who lend their vocal abilities to commercials, cartoons, video games, you name it, they can do it. To help us dive into this unique field, we have Naomi Mercer on the phone. Naomi has proven to be a diverse actor in the business since 2002, and we're glad to have her with us today. Naomi, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Well, it's great to have you on, and uh, I'm really interested in getting into some of the specifics about the industry. Before that, though, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career and the industry itself as you sort of have perceived it over the years? Sure. Well, I moved to L.A. a little bit after the SAG strike, and um, I really started doing voiceover work regularly, kind of right when the economy crashed in 2007. So I feel like I really entered the field when the industry had just hit rock bottom. Mm. So it, can't, it, can never get, it can never get worse from where I started. Sure. It can only get better. That's the optimistic way to look at it. It was also in the middle of the, uh, what do you call it, the web 2.0 kind okay. of technology revolution right. when you don't just send in your demo CD. Everything's now MP3 files. You don't have to go into everybody's studio. You can actually do this stuff from home and just send it as an, in as an email. So, like, the way you found talent, the way the job was done, how much was paid for each job was all of a sudden completely different right when I sort of walked on onto into the world. And it was like a giant reset button had been hit when I started. And there used to be some pretty formulaic, structured ways to build your career before. But then all of a sudden, it was like this new frontier, and there really were no rules anymore all of a sudden. Sure. And we all kind of needed to figure out new ways to be successful through just trial and error, really, and by not listening to how it used to be done. Right. Well, I do think that's something that sort of draws people into this is, in theory, anyone, I don't want to say anyone to, to knock any of the people who are, are talented in this area, but you can, as you mentioned, you can have a studio at home, you can do all this stuff on your own now where... Uh, I don't know, there seems like there is a lot of opportunity for this. That's why I was interested in hearing about this. For yourself, what what was it for yourself, though, that drew you into this industry? Is this something you always thought you might want to do? I mean, what, what sort of sparked your interest? I definitely never thought when I grew up, I'm going to be a voiceover actor. <laughs> Not at all. But I did want to be an actor, and I'm a singer. And I had just finished recording uh, like an EP album when I moved to Los Angeles okay. and started pursuing acting. And then I realized that pursuing acting was really, you know, you line this whole team up of all these agents, and then you just sit around, and you're waiting for the phone to ring, which Mm -hmm. gets really frustrating really fast, and you're trying to figure out, what else could I be doing to be more proactive about this career in entertainment? And someone suggested I try voiceover and take a voiceover class. Okay. And so when I took that, I realized that I had already... I had most of the microphone technique stuff down from being a singer before. So I had a few things that were kind of giving me an edge on being able to go after the home studio aspect of it, right? When people were getting their home studios and um, that started to give me an edge. I, at the end of that class, there was that teacher kind of pulled me aside and said he saw real talent and that I should kind of go for it. So I really tried to after that. Yeah. So that was what really drew me in. In terms of then becoming a voice actor and sort of seeing that now as, as your career, 
do you point to one time where it was a, the, that first big break or a gig that sort of pushed you forward? I mean, do you have a turning point in mind? Well, uh, there's several, really. It was a slow build. I mean, I, I made my first demo. You know, you make this demo CD. It's like a 60-second group of all these different clips of things that you can do. And okay. in the beginning, when you've never had a job before, you just have to make up a bunch of fake jobs. <laughs> and then when you book jobs, you kind of fill those in on the demo, and then hopefully eventually your demo really exists of all real jobs. Sure. So I made that first demo, and that really didn't get me much but a few small jobs. And then, there, so there was this first real breakthrough where I, you know, I had gotten on board with a big Los Angeles agent. She's in the top five. I'm repped with a lady named Arlene Thornton. And I was so excited, like, oh, God, this is my big break. It's done. I'm done. I'm a voiceover actor now. And then all of a sudden, they start throwing all of these auditions at you, which are very competitive. I mm -hmm. mean, series, regular roles for animation stuff, big national commercial campaigns. But then you realize there's, you know, 20 to 30 great agencies in each of these big cities, New York, Los Angeles, Houston, and all of those big campaigns have all of their top people going in on it. So there's like four or 500 people that are all really good going up for every one of these roles. And you're just, a, you know, another drop in the bucket on that. So basically it doesn't mean you're working. It just means now you have a crack at all these big jobs. Right. So I felt like it was a big breakthrough when I got on with that agency because now at least I can try to get these big jobs, but it didn't mean I was working. My second big breakthrough was when, you know, I was still schlepping drinks and doing all these starving actor jobs, <laughs> and I got called into an audition, and I said again to someone, is there anything else I could be doing? That's kind of a, a question I asked a lot. And this guy was like, he was a casting director, and he said, have you ever heard of um, Voices.com? And I was like, no, not at all. And he said, well, you know, before you kind of have clout and recognition to be able to book these big campaigns or whatever it is, these are small jobs that can kind of get, get you practice sure. at doing it. And this was also right at the time, like I said, that the economy was crashing. So a lot of people didn't have the money in their advertising budget to hire some giant advertising agency anymore. And they were like, okay, let's figure this out. Maybe we can find voiceover ourselves online and make our own spots or something. So more and more work is coming to these websites and not going through the agencies. And the prices for those jobs are going up more and more online. And hmm. the prices for the big jobs in LA are going down more and more as it regulates. Yes. So, then I started, and, and then, you know, I, I went and checked out this website. It was like 300 bucks to join. And I was like, oh, man, if I have to drop another dollar into this career and not get any money back, I tell you what. And I had paid back my membership within like a couple weeks. And then for the rest of the year, it was all profit. You don't give anything out to agencies or anything. Oh, Every wow. time you book a job, you just collect all the money after that. Okay. And it's this whole new model. It's actually not that new anymore. This is probably around 2007, 2008. And then that did fill in my schedule full time. I started to develop a client list and work for people directly. And then that would keep me alive in between the big jobs and also give me the confidence to walk in the door on those big jobs, you know, and that really built my resume up the rest of the way. So that those online websites felt like my second big breakthrough, right. you know, 
Um, and then my, my third ones were just like I said, then you can go into the, the big agency's office and really nail down those better jobs and not feel really desperate for them. And uh, then I booked a bunch of roles in Mass Effect 2, this big video game. Sure. Um, and that was an awesome, very fun job. And then uh, maybe that same year, I booked my first big national commercial. It was an EA Sports commercial that was great. That was a very good Christmas. Well, I did want to ask you about sort of what your typical day would be like. I understand it can change depending on whatever projects you have going on. I mean, are you working at home a lot? Is it a lot of travel? Is it focused on one project for a number of days, weeks? I mean, what, what is sort of the breakdown like for a lot of your work? Each job is different. Some people really want to direct you in the session. They want mm-hmm. to be able to like say, that was great, but do it again. And this time, think of your mother in a endearing way or that kind of a thing. And then some people are like, yeah, just send me the files tomorrow and I'll give you feedback. And so I'm able to go into my own studio. Okay. You know, I don't even, I can just sit here in my sweatpants with a cup of coffee and crank it out how I want to. And I'll go until I get the best take. And I like that because then the director doesn't even have to hear all of the other mess ups I did. (laughs) They can just hear my finished product. It really depends on the job. But some days I work from home and then some days it's just a job through my agency where they say, you know, you're going to be at this studio at this time. And I just show up and I'm just the talent. I don't have to do any of the editing, which is lovely. But I actually don't mind any any job. I think they're all fun. They're just all really different. As far as a- another thing about that is a couple of jobs I have require me to be able to continue to give them files, even if I've, I'm traveling. I'm the voice right now of the BPM station on Sirius XM Radio. Okay. It's like their EDM, their EDM station. And... Um, They'll hand me copy, and I need to be able to record it, edit it, and turn it around, hopefully well within 24 hours. Right. So if I ever travel, it's sort of part of my gig that I have to carry around recording capabilities with me. Well, I definitely think that is part of uh, what people would see as being interesting is that the opportunities are there. And as you mentioned, you could be traveling and still do your work or or vice versa. You can be sitting at home in your sweatpants and uh, crank it out as you put yeah. it. With that in mind, what, what, what would be some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? You mentioned specifically the Mass Effect 2, the video game and EA Sports. Would those be up there as some of your favorites? Do you have other ones that you have in mind? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I loved that Mass Effect 2 job. The, they brought on this director. She had directed a ton of Disney movies and other cool voiceover stuff or animation projects. Her name was Ginny McSwain, and she was so fun to work with, where they really hounded out of you. I can't describe it, but it's a uh, almost like a workout up in there. <laughs> Plus, I mean, one of the roles was I got to play the madam of an alien whorehouse. How awesome is that? It was It's wildest. every girl's dream, I think. I think it's every girl's yeah, right. dream to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I finally dug those up on YouTube the other day. I'm going to post that up on my website. I, no, I, no one's really ever heard what I did in that game unless they played the game. Right. But um, another thing, yeah, I like that the job that I do for BPM on EDM because they just add so many effects to my voice that by the time it's done, I sound like not of this world. (laughs) So those are cool. (laughs) One thing I was always curious about in terms of when you are asked to maybe portray some emotions, especially, you know, if you're doing a voice over, 
say for a cartoon or a video game, you're not physically acting in the moment like you might be in a play or in a movie or a TV show. So is it harder to laugh? Is it harder to cry, to show anger, excitement? How do you go about doing that? How do you really find your voice when you're looking to portray some of those emotions? Well, as far as the emotions go, in certain moments, you use the exact same skills that you use as an actor. I mean, if it's defined emotions or subtext or things that you're thinking while you're saying something else. But with every script, generally, there are these things called specs. They're at the top of every script. So, uh, you know, if I get something, it'll say, you know, female, age 35 to 40, energetic, warm, and conversational. But this is someone who is the advice giver of the group. You know, so they'll, they'll be describing this person that I'm being. So every time I read specs, it's like, as I'm reading it, I'm becoming it. And I let that be my little warm-up exercise before I read the script. So I'll even read, I always read that part out loud, too. I'll be like, age, you know, if it's 14 to 17, I'll be like, age 14 to 17, energetic, warm, conversational. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll, I'll go through the specs where I'm sort of embodying them all as I'm reading them out loud, and it kind of preps me for the bit. And then I make notes and scribble all over my script. I'll read it the first time and then I'll kind of get an idea. And then I go back and read it again, maybe get another idea. I mean, it's really a, a works in progress. It's cool because when you're doing it at your house, you can record it, sit down and hear it back. And when you're doing that, you know how like, let's say you're in a class and there's someone up up in front and you think to yourself, oh, I know how I would have done it. See, I would have done it like this. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. You can do that in the studio to yourself. So I'll go and I'll record something, and then I'm sitting down and I'm editing it, and I'm playing it back, and it's like I'm listening to that girl up front. And I'm like, oh, see, I would have done it this way. That would have been way better. (laughs) And then I'll go back in and I'll do it again um, and, and hopefully find the perfect take to send in. I also didn't mention this. I mean, when I was also first starting and I had gotten on with that big agency, I met a woman in the waiting room at the agency, just another actress, who her mentor was the voice of Yogi Bear. And so I asked her, please, will you mentor me? (laughs) (laughs) And um, she agreed to for just a while, which was all I needed. And we worked on characters, which were things like placements. So let's say we're talking about a certain type of person, certain type of people, um, like a young snotty girl tends to be a little bit more nasally in her placement or maybe more older people like old fashioned, maybe in a period piece or something from the fifties or sixties has more of an oral placement in the back of the mouth. It's kind of a jaw talk like Jimmy Stewart or, or Catherine Hepper, you know, something like that. So you learn these placements and how certain placements meet certain characteristics or groups of people that you can embody. And that was one of the things that she kind of taught me was placements. And then we developed maybe three characters. One was uh, young boy voices. One was kind of old, scary, creepy women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there was one other one. I can't even remember it now. But I, you know, worked really hard on creating these three different characters, everything, their their background, their age, what they were like, what they liked to do, what they sounded like when they were excited. And then those three kind of just went into my tool belt, you mm-hmm. know, as something that I know about all the time. Almost like if you're a painter, now you've got red, green, and blue or something.
something. And so then when you go, you can pull from any of those three for every character that you're making into the future. Yeah, that's a good visual. I like that idea. Yeah, and that has, I, you know, I did not, she, I wish that she was still my mentor today, but we only did it for a little while, but it really has helped me all the way up until I use some of that stuff all the time. I think something that always comes up, I'm sure you probably get it from even just friends and family, but I was curious if you could sample a few more characters for us so we can understand your full range and and versatility. Because I did see one of the reasons um, I had landed on you, so to speak, as far as doing the interview was that you just seem to have a lot of diverse roles. And you you mentioned even doing like little boys and you have different girls and you have the video game. Are there any unique ones that maybe stand out to you that you enjoyed doing or ones that, uh, I don't know, we would just enjoy hearing? Sure. Um, well, the thing that's sort of, what do they call it? Your brand. It's right. like your money voice that you book the most often with. For me, that's like hip, droll, kind of post-college. There's this thing called glottal fry, which is kind of when you don't have enough air but you're still talking, you know what I mean? Which kind of girls just out of college or just in use a lot. Um, so that's the one that I probably do the most is the casual, what's up? Yeah, I'm going to talk to you like I am your friend and I'm going to be cool and we're going to learn about this. So they'll hire me for like e-learning projects where they want me to sound engaging and relatable okay, rather than some dry kind of voice. For animation stuff, yeah, the young boy voice, it helps when I know what to say. And I'm looking to see if I have any scripts in front of me, but <laughs> yeah, we are kind of putting it depends in the spot on here. the age, too. I can do, like, you know, like, Sarah says the supper's ready, or little funny animation stuff, or I'm sorry, like young sounding stuff. And then, you know, I've got so many demos, people can just go up on there, <laughs> on, like on any of my sites, if anyone goes such a laundry list that those are the ones they should just listen to so that I don't fill up this interview with a bunch of silly voices. I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes that works better. I don't know. No, we do appreciate it. I know I was kind of putting you on the spot there, um, but I appreciate you trying to do a couple of those anyway for us. I did want to ask about the idea of education or classes, any sort of training, because I think a lot of people do believe, I could do that. I could act. I can change my voice. I can sound like this or that. But of course, with anything, there's a skill to it and there's a practice to it and there are mechanics to how you utilize all of these things together. There is. Uh, what's your suggestion as far as that side, of, that side of thing, as far as education or training? Yeah, you're right, man. Anybody can do this. I, it used to be where you needed to move to L.A. or New York. And, you know, I'm, I really want to, it's my goal to hopefully make it to the top of my field or as close as I can get. So I stay close to Los Angeles just because that is what allows me the opportunity for those big series regulars and those big, big commercial campaigns. Right. But if you want to do all the other stuff that I've been mentioning that keeps you alive as far as just the the bread and butter in between, and it's also just as fun and expressive and certainly isn't the kind of money of those other two gigs that I talked about, but it's still great money. It's still better than, you know, any of those other waitress jobs that I had. You don't have to move to Los Angeles or Calif- uh, Los Angeles or New York anymore. You can do it from your own home, on your own time, from anywhere in the world, as long as you have a decent internet connection. And as far as classes go, there are a lot of good classes on technique out there in, in all kinds of cities all over the United States and beyond. So 
you know, I can try to endorse a few, but I know that there's probably just as many other good ones out there. I, when I really wanted to get a good commercial agent, I studied under this lady named Nancy Wolfson and she's not cheap, but she also got me results and none of the cheap options got me any results. She was (laughs) the one who got me on with my agency. I made my demo, my first demo CD through her and she really gets how to break down commercial copy particularly, which is, you know, the best money. So I always recommend that people go out there and learn a ton about technique, you know, learning how to get comfortable behind the microphone and acting behind the microphone or just reading certain things where you're not acting, but you're just maybe reading some instructional copy. But that market is pretty flooded. There's all kinds of classes out there. There are no classes, I quickly realized for myself, about how to actually make money, (laughs) the the business side of it. I mean, yeah, okay, so you got this great technique, and even if you've got an agent, it really doesn't guarantee you any jobs at all. How can you start working every day towards it? And I had a bunch of people kind of offer to take me out to lunch and pick my brain once I started doing it myself, and I had a friend pull me aside and be like, yo, Naomi, don't give that information out for free. It took you 10 years to figure that stuff out, (laughs) and now you're telling them what to do and sending them into your talent pool to compete against you for jobs? And I was like, well, I don't really have a problem doing that as long as I guess I charge a little bit so that I can feel good about it. So I started to make this class about the business side of voiceover work, where you can run it from your home on your own time or maybe outside of your full-time job just for enjoyment and extra money from anywhere in the world. You don't have to go to these big cities anymore. And it's like where to find the jobs, how to book the jobs, how to execute the job once you got the job editing skills and all the way down to like how to collect your money at the end. Cause that was another thing that really clicked for me is once I looked at it as I'm running a small business, I'm not just an aspiring actor who I can't wait to be in all the next major motion pictures of animation. And everyone will just ask me for, you know, ask me to be enrolled. But once I just looked at it as I'm running a small business and my product is my voice, it just turned everything around for me once I treated it like that and it became a real job and a real career so um i turned the whole class into like an online workshop this website called the business of voiceover.com and it's all like two camera stuff where i'm talking about things i've got diagrams about stuff i show everybody exactly how i do what i do every day well and i again as you said it's one thing to have the skill and ability but then to turn into a business as you've been talking about it's clearly an important aspect of this and uh, we do appreciate you mentioning that. And of course, if people want to check that out again, that's businessofvoiceover.com. If you are serious about trying to jump into this industry, as there are a lot of opportunities, as Naomi's been talking about today, we are getting really low on time. But I wanted to ask, as far as myths go or anything out there that people are saying about voice actors, I mean, is there anything that you think is completely you know, misconceived or any anything you'd want to clear the air in, in terms of... Um, you know, what, what people might think about voice acting or, or the industry itself. Yeah, um, I've had a few conversations with people in Los Angeles about how they call them pay-to-play websites, okay. which is the websites I was talking about, and they just poo-poo them. And that is such a myth. It's, I have booked big jobs through both of those sites, big jobs that I, hey, I wish my agent got me those jobs, but they didn't. And if you want to work, I think you should put yourself out there in every every possible place to attract clients. Why wouldn't you? So um, the myth of 
you know, calling it pay to play, like it's as insulting as the way they are to bands who have to actually pay to play in front of an audience. Mm. It's not the same thing. And it's total myth. And those sites are good and they're growing and they're run by a small team of cool people that are, you know, rooting for you. So I, I don't think that those sites are a bad idea. I think they're a great idea. And in fairness, we actually uh, we were able to contact Naomi through Voices.com. We did an interview with uh, their founder and CEO, David Cicerelli. So to your point, there is sort of a community with that and, and helping each other out and uh, even worked in our case as well. What would you point to then as we're, we're getting close to wrapping up in terms of your career, what you've been doing uh, with the voice acting side specifically? What is it that you really love the most about it? What you enjoy, what you would sell this industry on if you were sort of speaking to the general public? It's, A, so awesome because it's all on your own time. There's no one who's going to fire you if you don't get up today and do some stuff. I mean, you can manage your own schedule. Uh, Sometimes that can be a curse because you have to learn to actually find the discipline to get up and do the stuff. Otherwise, the checks don't come 30 days later. But generally, it's so cool to be able to make your own schedule and do your own thing by a job where you're regularly expressing yourself and being creative uh, and challenging yourself. It's, it's an awesome job. It really is. And then the last thing I'll say about it is how it's different every day. There's just pretty much no way you can get sick of it because there's nothing that's repetitive about it. Well, we do appreciate that inside perspective. We are going to have to close things out here on this edition of You Do What? Our peek behind the microphone in the world of voice acting today. It's been a pleasure speaking with Naomi Mercer, a versatile, talented pro who, again, you've probably actually heard before. You just have to figure out which shows or which commercials, <laughs> which video games she's been on. And you can actually find a lot of the information at NaomiMercer.com. And as she also mentioned, if you want to learn about the business of voiceover and voice acting, uh, that's businessofvoiceover.com. You can find that information there. Naomi, thanks again for coming on today and sharing some of your experiences with us. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. Of course, we also want to hear from you, the listeners, as well, and find out what other jobs you might be interested in learning about, whether they are traditional or not. Just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Thanks again for checking into LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.